where are you headed? Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime. To know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to grow in love through service. Well, welcome back to the journey of a lifetime. In this series, I hope you're beginning to realize that Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime to know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. Would you just say that with me? Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime to know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. Now let's do, let's do it with emotions, right? All right. Jesus is inviting you on the journey of a lifetime to know God, feed your soul, grow in love, and change your world. Man, you're getting good at that. That's awesome. Today we're going to focus in on what it means to grow in love through service. And the question I want to ask this morning is this, how do you become a person of love? How do you become a person of love. I, I think we all want to be more loving people, right? It, the problem is it's hard, isn't it? I mean, we all mean to be loving, but then when our will gets crossed, boom, we get angry, right? Thank you. <laughs> we intend to be kind, and then harsh words slip out. We desire to be self-giving, but then we fall back into the same old selfish patterns of our lives. Look, we all, look, we all want to be more loving people, but then we get in the way, don't we? We get in the way. Because it's human nature to think of ourselves first, right? So the question is, how do we become a person of love? How do we become a person of love? Today, we're going to see how Jesus is inviting us, each one of us, on a transformational journey of the heart to actually become people of, the, of love like himself. And I know no better place to go than John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 1 down to 15 this morning. You'll find today's reading on page 900. And these are, this is one of my favorite glimpses into the heart of God. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, 
Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share in me, no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need uh, to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do, just as I have done to you. Thanks be to the Lord for the reading of his word. On this transformational journey of the heart, of becoming people of love, uh, there's a, a pattern to follow, a power to change, and progress to be made. We're going to see all three this morning, a pattern, power, and progress on this journey of a lifetime as we follow Jesus. So let's bow our heads, let's pray, and we'll jump in. Father, we long to be more loving people but sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We get in the way and we foul things up. Teach us new ways today. Teach us the ways of Jesus that we might follow him in the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. First of all, in this passage here, we have a pattern to follow, a pattern to follow. I don't know about you, but I always find this story staggering. I mean, here is the incarnate Son of God, eternal, infinite, worthy of every praise we could utter, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, with a towel around his waist, kneeling down, washing his disciples' stinky feet. I mean, who does this? Our Jesus, that's, that's who does this. I love verse three. It says, Jesus knowing, there's three truths that he knows, that the Father had given all things into his hands. He has supreme authority, right? And he knows that he has come from God, so he has divine identity, and that he's going back to God he knows his impending glory. So the moment when he realized, I have more authority than anyone in the history of the universe, that I'm the divine son of God and I'm returning to the Father and there's glory that awaits me, in that moment of triumph in greatness, what does he do? Knowing all that is rightfully due to his name, what does he do? Verse four, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments took a towel, tied it around his waist, and he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
This is amazing. Jesus takes off his outer garments. He wraps a towel around his waist, not because he's trying to keep his good clothes clean. No, he's donning the garb, the dress of a slave. This is how slaves dress. And not just any slave, he's taking the role of the very lowest of slaves. Did you know that foot washing was reserved for the lowest rank of slaves? Even within slavery, there were ranks, there were duties that were too menial, too dirty for certain classes of slaves. The very lowest slaves were the ones who washed feet because the roads were covered with manure from horses and cattle and donkeys, and they trod through this dirty desert manure-filled streets. This is awful work. This is reserved for the lowest of the lows. In fact, we, we know from Roman history in some municipalities, they actually banned foot, foot washing. You couldn't make your slaves wash your feet because it was considered too demeaning and too dehumanizing. They ruled it out. And apparently, here at this upper room, this last meal of Jesus, there's, there's no slaves or servants around. And of course, none of the disciples have volunteered. <laughs> They're not going to wash their own feet, much less their buddies' feet. Feet. They're like, I'm not doing that. And then Jesus sees the situation. He sees their manure-covered feet. He sees their selfish, stubborn hearts. And so he does something. He washes their feet. Willingly, voluntarily, humbly. This is shocking, staggering, scandalous. The last person who should ever be washing feet is Jesus. And here he makes himself the servant of all, doesn't he? And then he says this to his disciples. Do you understand what, I, what I've done to you, verse 12, you call me Lord and teacher, and you're right, for I am. If I then your Lord and teacher, <laughs> you've apprenticed your life to me, right? I'm your teacher, I'm your Lord, I'm your master, I get to tell you what to do, yeah, yeah, right? If I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. In other words, Jesus is our model of self-giving love. You see that? Jesus is our model of self-giving love. You want to know what love looks like? Look at Jesus. See him kneeling at his disciples' feet. See him with manure on his hands, wiping it on a towel that's on his waist, the filth of people's travels doing the dirty job nobody else would do. This is what it means to be a person of love. This is what it means to be truly great in the kingdom of heaven. This is what it means. This is the pattern we're to follow. See, friends, following Jesus isn't just about reading your Bible. It's not just about saying your prayers. It's not just about coming to church or learning theology or getting to go to heaven when you die. Following Jesus is a transformational journey 
of the heart. Jesus intends to change you from the inside out to remodel the very core of your inner being so that you become like him. To follow Jesus is to become like him. To follow Jesus is to become like him. Jesus is our pattern of what a person of love looks like, and it is his pattern that we are to follow. Listen, I I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. So you, come, follow me. It's a pattern to follow. Secondly, the power to change, the power to change. How on earth are we to become people of love? Like, how is that actually going to happen? It's one thing to admire Jesus' selfless, sacrificial, self-giving love, marvel at it, even tremble before it. It's another thing to imitate him, to imitate Christ, isn't it? Seriously? That's what we're called to? And we have a problem, don't we? Because I don't know about you, but in this story, I relate far more with the disciples than I do with Jesus, right? If there's a filthy, thankless, menial task to be done, I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's my heart. Because my heart is so often full of selfishness and ego and entitlement because I work hard and I deserve a break. And I've got to look out for number one. And we've got people who take care of that. Friends, with self-absorbed hearts like these, how are we ever to become people of love? Well, Jesus gives us a little clue here in verse 7. He says to Peter, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. After what? After what, Jesus? And then we realize this is the night before Jesus is crucified the following day. In fact, his death, his impending death, looms large over this entire scene. That's why John tells us that Jesus knows his time to depart is at hand. He loves them to the very end, see? Judas is awaiting, is, is waiting to betray him. The cross is looming over this last supper and the events of the following day, tomorrow, once Peter sees those, he'll understand. Jesus tells Peter here in verse 8, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Which is one of those statements that like, it feels weird, doesn't it? If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. There's more than meets the eye to the statement, right? He's supposed to think about this night. Jesus is talking about foot cleansing. I've got to wash your feet, but more than that, in the larger context of Jesus' sin-cleansing death the next day, Peter is to look back and understand, ah, the Jesus who washed my soul, S-O-L-E, on Thursday, is the Jesus who washed my soul, S-O-U-L, on Friday. 
if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter, if you want to share with me, if you want to share with me in my life, in my death, in my resurrection on your behalf, if you want to share with me in the life of salvation and the kingdom of heaven that I am bringing to earth, if you want to share with me in my self-giving, sacrificial, servant-hearted love that blooms from the inside of your soul, if you want to share with me in all that I am and all that I offer, I've got to cleanse you. I've got to wash you. Not just on the outside, I've got to wash you all the way down to your soul. You need a new heart, Peter. You need a clean heart, Peter. You need a transformed heart, Peter. You need a heart of love. And so tomorrow I'm gonna go to the cross and I will die in your place and for your sake. And I will bear in myself all your sin and shame, all your selfishness and ego and pride that, that rules in your heart. And I will give you in exchange, I will cover you with my perfect righteousness, my sacrificial, self-giving, servant-hearted love. I will cover you and I will rise again to make you right with God forever. I will, so that you will be adopted as his child, filled with his spirit and transformed into his likeness. Friends, on the cross, Jesus cleanses our hearts in order that the Holy Spirit might come and indwell us and transform us from the inside out. That's why just a few minutes later in John chapter 14, Jesus says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus says, look, I'm about to offer my life on the cross as a sacrifice of love for you. And I'll rise again and ascend to my Father, but I'm not gonna leave you alone. I will send the Holy Spirit to be within you, to lead you and guide you and empower you and change you from within. Friends, the Spirit is transforming us into people of love. The Spirit is transforming us into people of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So it's the, the Spirit's fruit, right, on our lives. When we live in love, we do the loving, but it's His fruit. The love that we love with comes from Him. Don't you see, friends, God is in the business of loving us into loveliness that the Father has lavished his love upon us in sending us his Son, that the Son has loved us to the very end by laying down his life as a loving sacrifice for us on the cross. And the Spirit resides within us, teaching us to walk in 
love just as we have been loved. As 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So when it comes to becoming a person of love, there's a pattern we follow, it's Jesus. There's a power to change, it's in the spirit. And there's progress to be made in our lives. Progress to be made. Friends, becoming a person of love will not happen at the drop of a hat, right? There's no magic wand, there's no silver bullet, there's no instant cure. Into our hearts that are bound up in selfishness and inflamed by ego, dominated by entitlement, the gospel, seed of the gospel is planted down in there. And the cleansing flood of the cross soaks in and the spirit germinates a new life in us, a life of love like Christ's. But that new sprouting life must push its way through compacted soil by years of selfish habits and self-absorbed living. It's gotta break through all of that and take over because our selfishness has become a bit of a lifestyle, wouldn't you say? And we have a lot of relearning to do. And so we are called now to work out what God has worked in us. We work out what he has worked in and progress comes through practice. Progress comes through practice. That's why Jesus says, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And how would we do that? For I've given you an example, oh, a pattern, that you also should do, what's the word? Do, just as I have done for you. It's an action word. Do it. You should do as I have done. So Jesus, you want us to wash each other's feet? Yes, if that's what it takes. As I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus says, look, I, I, I want you to learn to give yourselves away in love for others. I want you to learn to give yourself away for others. By this will all people know that you're my disciples if you love one another. How? Sacrificially, servantly, selflessly. That's what greatness looks like. Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Jesus says to his disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. This is how the pagans do greatness. They just beat everybody up. Their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to become a person of love? You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? You've got to become a servant of all. Take on the role of a slave. Serve one another. Give yourself away in love. Friends, in service, we practice giving ourselves away in love. In service, we practice giving ourselves away in love. Do you realize, like, all the things that we have, we always are recruiting volunteers. We need people to help with this. We need people to help with this. We need to have, do you realize that's not just an organizational problem? That's not just volunteer work. It's not just helping out or giving back to the community. Friends, serving is how we grow in love. Serving is how we grow in love. Serving isn't just helping others. Serving changes us. Serving is the laboratory in which God's transformational work takes place so that we can become people of love. Because serving always requires sacrifice. And in giving ourselves away, we, what we actually find is in Jesus, we get ourselves back. It's shocking. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever would lose his life for my sake will find it. If you serve others, serving others is to give ourselves away in love. God's given us all time, talent, and treasure, right? Time, talent, treasure. Time, we have hours of the day, talent, we have special skills and giftedness, and we have treasure. We've got resources. And the question of our lives is whether we will use it selfishly for ourselves or whether we will use it lovingly for the sake of others. And so how do you become a person of love? You have to die. You got to die to yourself so that you might live for Christ and become a person of love for others. You see that? To serve is to die. It's to die to our ease and comfort. It's to die to our wishes and preferences. It's, our, it's to die to our schedule and agenda. It's to die to our aspirations and dreams. It's to die to the me-centric life we're addicted to. And in the midst of all that dying, we actually will find life. Real, true, good, beautiful, abundant life. A life like God's himself, the self-giving, others-first, faithful, loyal, and true life that is patient and kind, that doesn't envy or boast, that is not arrogant or rude, that is, doesn't insist on its own way, doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth, 
It's the life that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and never fails. It is the life of the love of God. Give yourself away, and you will find your real self, the you you were always meant to be. Lose your life, and you will find it. Serve, and you will be great. Die, and you will live. Friends, ask anyone who serves, and they'll tell you, they'll all tell you the same thing. It's not because somebody gives them a script. It's because their experience is uniform. They will tell you, I came to serve, but they served me. I came to give, but I got more than I could have ever imagined in return. I came to bless, and I ended up being the one who got blessed. Because Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And friends, as we follow this pattern of Jesus through the power of the Spirit, progressing in service toward one another, we slowly learn what it means to give ourselves away and become people of love. And the bottom line takeaway for us is grow in love through service. Grow in love through service. Friends, I hope you're beginning to see that all the serving opportunities we have around the church, they're not busy work, they're not community service, they're not volunteerism. These are all opportunities to learn how to give yourself away and become a person of love, to grow in love. These are ways that we learn to die to ourselves so that we might live to Christ and become people of love. And there's opportunities for this everywhere. Just this week, and the details are not important, there was a situation where I I was called to do something I didn't want to do in order to love somebody else. Okay? And I was grumpy about it and frustrated and And then the Lord the Lord goes, "Miller?" <laughs> this is how he talks to me. He's like, "Miller, what's your problem? I came from heaven to earth and laid down everything for you. Can't you do this one small thing?" for this person. It was a, friends, every day we are faced with dozens of opportunities to grow in love, to die to ourselves, to live to Christ, and to love others. It comes at us in different ways. Sometimes we have to extend forgiveness or do the dishes or give generously, or make time in our busy schedule, or reach out when it's inconvenient, or just show up, or serve. Every one of these is an opportunity to be with Jesus and to learn from him how to become a person of love. And I can either mess it up, or I can follow the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit 
and learn to become a person of love. You say, well, what if I don't feel it? Okay. Ask Jesus for help and then do it. Just go do it. It's a new habit. You're not used to acting in love. So try it. You won't do it right the first time. That's okay. Do it again. And you will slowly, he will empower you as you go and walk in obedience. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. You can wait, we can wait till the end of our lives to die. You know you're going to die, right? And if you die in Jesus, in that moment, you get transformed into the image of Christ forever, and you become a person of love, right? So you can wait to die until you are really old and you die. Or you can die a little bit every day. And in dying a little bit every day, dying to self, living to Christ, loving others, you can slowly become a person of love here and now. So that one day when you get to glory and the selfless love of heaven envelops you and transform you, it won't come as quite a shock. Because you will have felt its familiar touches all the way along as it's growing within you. So if you don't want culture shock when you reach heaven, why not follow Jesus today? Each day, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. Friends, Jesus is inviting all of us, each one of us, on the journey of a lifetime to first know God through worship, to feed our souls through the life of community, and now to grow in love through service. Won't you follow him? Won't you follow him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for changing us. Left to ourselves, we'd be a a mess. But in your mercy and grace, in your relentless love, you have come for us. Help that love to reshape us. Having been so loved, teach us to love in return, to love others as we ourselves have been loved. Let this gospel not only sweep us into eternity, but sweep us into the rest of our lives in this grand adventure of becoming people of love right here, right now, as we follow you. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, for it's in his name we pray. Amen.